right, everybody, welcome back to the On the Road Again podcast, covering all things the Winchesters uh, for Nerds and Beyond. Uh, I'm Jules. I am a content assistant and editor here with Nerds and Beyond. I'm Kennedy. I'm an editor and writer with Nerds and Beyond. And I'm Brianna. I'm also an editor and writer with Nerds and Beyond. So this week's episode uh, had so much going on, so many different threads, a lot more added to our overall mystery, a great monster of the week. Um, I think your lost little girl had just about everything. Um, so we're going to dive in and unpack some of the bigger themes now. Um, one of them that came up frequently for all of our characters, really, uh, was a lot of family issues, which is nothing new uh, for the Winchesters or for Supernatural in general. Um, but we had more information about Mary's family, a little bit more about Lata, um, which also introduces more questions about her character as well. Uh, so what did we think about what we found out about Samuel and Deanna? Because that's a pretty big thing. We didn't know very much about their relationship in canon. I feel like they dropped it in so casually. And mm-hmm. I kind of had to like whip my head back at the screen. I was like, what? They're separated? <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm just kind of living for the drama at this point. But I want to know what happened between them. I agree. It immediately kind of sent me into like theory spiral because we know, according to the mothership, they are together again later on. So mm-hmm. I just have this mental image of her finding out that Samuel's missing and like racing back and being like, why didn't you tell me? And kind of laying into Mary a little bit. And then we'll get to see Mary's dynamic with her mom now that we've seen some of John's with his mom. Yep. But yeah, they did kind of lay it in really casually. Yeah. And another mention of Maggie too, which I feel like we need to get like the full story of what went down with her. Like, obviously we have like the basic explanation, but like, this is something that's so clearly is not only affected Mary, but affected the whole family. So I'd love to know more about her um, and a little bit more about what happened to her. Cause I have a funny feeling that's probably going to play into the rest of the season as well. A little Easter eggs like that. Don't just stay dormant. Especially since they've mentioned her so many times, but I'm starting to think that Lata may have been involved somehow peripherally in that event. I mean, I know, well, allegedly i don't actually know <laughs> that she and mary have been friends for a, a while they're they know each other very well so they've at least gone through some stuff together and she knows about what happened to maggie but i can't really parse out if that's just because they're like really good friends or if that kind of tied into the whole mess with her family which we will get into later because there's some stuff going on with that as well Yeah, there's so much going on with her. And we still don't really know quite how Lata met Mary in the first place and what Samuel was kind of saving her from. Like, we don't know a lot about that story. So I definitely want to find out more about that. Um, And then the other thing that we kind of learn about Mary and Samuel is that they had a big fight um, before she before he went missing um, about her leaving hunting. And so, like, you have Lata, who has like this very optimistic like version of why they had this fight she's like oh like clearly he's just trying to show you that like he can live without you and it's okay to leave hunting and meanwhile mary's like yeah no he's gonna like kill me like he's not very happy so i definitely want to know more about that how how deanna and samuel feel about mary leaving hunting and why they're so determined to like keep her in that life to me that really felt like a parallel between john and sam Mm -hmm. uh in the early seasons of supernatural i mean we we always think of Dean as like being the one who was like kind of I mean they were both forced into hunting but Dean mm-hmm. kind of bore the brunt of that responsibility but I think the kind of pushback against that and the like like vehement want to actually get out we we saw a lot of that in Sam 
So I think that was interesting because I think they've been doing a lot of Dean, Mary, John, Sam parallels. Mm-hmm. So that's like one of the first uh, big ones I feel like I've noticed for for those two. And someone else knew that we meet this episode that was mentioned um, in the last episode is Betty. And again, I cannot stop hearing the Taylor Swift song every single time this poor woman's name is mentioned and it's going to drive me berserk by the end of the season. Uh, But there's a lot to unpack with Betty. There's so much to unpack with her. I'm going to second the Taylor Swift thing. All I could think of was the song. (laughs) And especially with them clearly having been teenagers when they were engaged. So there's a little bit of history. And then he's standing on the front porch with Betty. So there was just a little too much. (laughs) I'm convinced somebody in that writing room is a Swifty. Show yourself. Oh, it's, it's Robbie, obviously. Robbie's this one. You know what? It probably is Robbie. <laughs> Thank you for that. But I'm not going to lie. When they finally introduced her, I really enjoyed her character. I kind of hope they bring her back for a little bit to kind of be sort of maybe their Jody Donna kind of relationship to them with local law enforcement. I mean, I could see her slowly learning what happens. She seemed like a very intelligent character mm-hmm. from the little bit of time we saw her. And she clearly still cares for John. And she didn't seem ruffled by Mary at all, which I love. I hate when they do the rival thing. It's it's too easy. I like when they're friends. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of hope she becomes that person for them. And I just love that it was it was an engagement because of the things that I had in my mind. That was not that was not one of them. <laughs> No, John was being like so they were being so dodgy about how he knew this girl for so long. <laughs> and I didn't like at first I was like, it's not an ex. Like when, when we were hearing about it last episode, but she showed up and I was like, oh no, that that was definitely an ex. But he pulled off that ring at the end of the episode and I was like, John, Jonathan. That's not his full name. <laughs> but that's what I called him in that moment. Like Johnny. She called him Johnny. I that was really cute. I love that she did that. I love that they like differentiated and had her him they had like this such a cutesy little relationship. Like you could see them being like teenagers going on like dates and stuff. And like it was just like I liked that aspect of it for sure. Like I liked the idea of John having this like cute little high school crush and also like again like everything with john it's super sad because you know that he had this little crush and they went on dates and then he immediately went to vietnam which is like okay well that, that that's one way to end the the party i guess but it's also like a huge moment for john as a character like that we figure out that he proposed to this girl before he like shipped off because like again he's into the big romantic gestures like these big heroic things this this image that he has of himself of this person he's supposed to be like he's proposing to this girl right before he goes to war like oh how romantic like the dashing hero off to war with the sweetheart at home but that's not really the case of what happened because she turns him down you know rightfully so and then the same thing now that he's doing with mary like when he's talking with lata and he's like she is my everything like she's my connection to hunting and everything and it's like bro chill (laughs) like you've known this girl john is very dramatic i think he's going to be one of those men that doesn't do anything halfway not one of those i don't mean men in particular just one of those characters (laughs) that's just all in immediately it's like i've known you for three hours and you are now my ride or die congratulations he's gonna be very intense about everything i mean we've seen he's very intense about his friendship from the war he was very intense about finding a passion and a drive and something to do with his life and he threw himself into it fully so it doesn't surprise me that he's that way in relationships 
I mean, I think it's not a stretch to say, we were talking about this before we got on air, that I think that kind of stems back to some abandonment issues on (laughs) Henry's part. But I wanted to ask how you guys felt about that scene where he's like fretting to Lapa about Mary going into the, I don't even know what to call it, sack dungeon prison (laughs) world. I kept calling it the discount upside down because it <laughs> I was calling it the upside down, but I like sack dungeon better. Yeah. <laughs> sack dungeon. No, but that scene, like it, I didn't expect it to rub me the wrong way, but it kind of did. And I don't think it's for the reasons that you would think. I, I feel like, okay, obviously, like we were just discussing, John latches on to people really fast. Mm-hmm. But the way that I was kind of reading that scene is like, he didn't want to lose Mary because it was she was more of an entrance, like a, a portal mm-hmm. into this hunting world. And to me, it just it kind of came off as like he not that he wasn't worried about her as a person, because obviously he does care about her and he does care about her well-being. But it felt like that was more the emphasis less than I can't lose her as a person. She's so important to me because of who she is as a person and more as like you are my guide in this world and I don't know how to progress and work through this stuff without you and this is kind of like how what my identity is hinging on right now I don't know what did you think that that seemed really rubbed me the wrong way and I was really surprised about it no you're so right and actually I was thinking back to something that Brianna had said when we were talking about how um John is so willing to follow orders from Mary like when it doesn't seem like that would be something that would be in his character like That whole scene, I think you're supposed to, like, on a surface level, it reads as kind of romantic, right? Because it's like, I can't lose her. Like, how many scenes have we seen in movies where it's like, I love her, I can't lose her, whatever. But, like, underneath that, like, you kind of get a real glimpse into what John's really afraid of, which is that he thinks if he loses Mary, he's not going to be able to be this hunter. And in the same way that Mary is searching for this identity that's not hunting, throughout the episode he is just searching for a way in like he loves this heroic nature of like coming in and like saving these kids and defeating the monster and getting the girl kind of on the side while he's at it you know just just for good measure and yeah you're right that it rubbed the like, it was just weird like it, it it didn't quite fit and I, I kept thinking about how they keep saying like there's going to be these little flashes that kind of show John's true character or that, or that this sort of breaking bad idea of like, there's like these little flashes that show that maybe he's not as innocent and kind of sweet as he seems. And that was one of them. Like, and I think Drake did a really great job because he played both sides of that. You could see the sincerity, but you could also kind of see a little bit of like this, like fear of being left behind and being left out of this world. I don't know. I can, I can see that aspect. I didn't, I'm with, I'm with you, Kennedy. I didn't like it per se. It felt very intense, very fast, but I sort of chalked it up to him more so paralleling her with having lost the friend in the war whose name I can't remember at the moment. Murph? Murph. 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 It's Murph. Of like, I had one job. It was to protect Murph. He died. I had one job. It was to protect Mary. She went into this sack thing before I could get to her. And so I, I've read the emotion to me as more of, I'm already attached to you as my partner in the way that they do in the military, where it's kind of like your unit is your life. And that's, that's like your absolute, I guess, I don't know the way to word it. Right. It's 
you know, you operate within that, that is your family. And so I feel like he sort of adopted her and every, all of them as his family already, and just got a little overwhelmed with the idea of, I haven't had her very long and she's already gone. Yeah. I think in the last episode I was saying (laughs) when, when I was talking about, I'm scared of like Carlos or Lata, like being killed (laughs) off or any of them being killed off. I, I made a comment about, I don't think that this group has the sum like same level of codependency that Sam and Dean had on the original show and watching that made me kind of question that because it was like Brianna was saying it was just really extreme really fast mm-hmm. and it just felt like it was for the wrong reasons and again I'm not saying that he doesn't care about her because yeah we know he does like he obviously does but it just it, it just it just didn't feel right to me it just stuck out as something being a little bit odd but his, it was kind of like a moment of like true colors coming out, right? Because it's a high stress moment. Like they genuinely at that moment didn't really know how to fight this monster. And there was kind of no way like that, like there wasn't like an obvious fix for the problem. And it really did seem like Mary was in peril. And so in that moment, he's saying what he's genuinely thinking, like there's no time for like artifice or like faking anything. And so I think that's interesting. They kind of had that come out then. And also, I think it's an interesting indictment of like how he feels about Lata and Carlos, because the assumption there is that if Mary did die or, or be, you know, whatever, that they would not, that he wouldn't be there with them still, that they wouldn't be able to help him, which is interesting because like Carlos is an experienced hunter. Lata may not be as experienced, but she certainly has knowledge of this stuff. You know, even Ada, you know, Ada could certainly help. So what is it about, like, why, like, does he feel like they wouldn't help him? Like, or or that they wouldn't stay friends? Like, they've known each other for a month. <laughs> like, they, they still hang out, you know? Like, what is, like, why wouldn't he reach out to, like, a wider hunter network at that point, if even if he lost Mary? Aside from, like, liking Mary as a person and, like, not wanting to see her, like, die. Like, what? Like why would he worry about losing that connection to hunting? Especially knowing that he's a legacy and knowing the whole thing with the Men of Letters. Like, if anything, he would just continue on and maybe learn even more. One thing that I, I know we're kind of jumping around a little bit, but one thing that I wanted to point out was, oh, my gosh, we are seeing these, like, self-destructive tendencies that Sam and Dean have. <laughs> They are jumping out left and right because Mary throwing herself into sack dungeon world, whatever you (laughs) want to call it. (laughs) I was just like, that is so Dean in that moment. Like she, I think I'm calling it sack prison on the outline. I'm sorry. I was just (laughs) seeing different names for it. But no, I mean, I think we're we're very much seeing a that codependency starting to form like i said and the that that self-sacrificing gene that that we've been seeing crop up left Mm -hmm. and right um mary i think mary has that same complex where she's been like i mean she even kind of admitted it when she was like trying to burn samuel's hat and she just like couldn't let go she feels like this is the only thing that she's good at this is what she knows how to do and like hunting is the only real part of her identity that she mm-hmm. like knows for a fact that like this is who I am. That's the only thing that I can be sure that I'm comprised of. So I think that's lending itself to them putting themselves in these um situations that, hey, maybe if we stopped and thought for 
<laughs> like five minutes maybe we could come up with a better solution but um stopping and thinking about our actions before we what? do them Kennedy, that's not the winchester shot? way that's not the winchester way also that is such a dean coded moment with mary when she has that line about like hunt like hunting is everything like i can't do anything else like what am i without this i was like wow wow the apple does not fall far from the tree on that one <laughs> that was a pretty strong parallel there yeah, literally, I immediately wrote down, like, it. it's giving Dean. Like, it's, it's, I, giving. it's giving Winchester stupid all Winchester over again. This is the origin again. of it, is these two. I will say, though, Mary in this episode, like, full badass, right? Like, I mean, come on. Like, that kill that she has where she's, like, up behind, like, that demon thing with a knife. Like, that was pretty cool. Like, I like that they, as much as like John gets some really cool kills and things like that, like I like that they've established that Mary's like a really good hunter, like she's good at what she does. And I really enjoy getting to kind of see her unleash that a little bit in this episode. I kind of wanted to highlight too. I know we were kind of ragging on John a little bit for being a little uh, codependent real early on, <laughs> but Mary kind of showed her hand a little too with jumping into the sack layer prison space whatever we're calling it with the, her, her line there about you found me once I trust you'll find me again. Like that was very telling. Like there's a lot better ways to be like, you'll figure it out that aren't so passionate and full of emotion. And she really, I don't know. I read a lot of emotion in that as well. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, I don't think it's one-sided. It's not one-sided. I do think Mary's read a lot more like, I think you're cute. And I'm romantically interested in you. And I think that, yes, you're smart and you'll find me, but I also tr like trust you on that level. I feel like John's spoke a little bit more to loving the idea of Mary and what Mary represents more than Mary herself. And again, not to say that he doesn't care about Mary because I think he does. Like he absolutely does care about her, but it's kind of like the same problem that he runs into as an adult, right? Like the version of Mary that he idolizes and that he tells his kids about and that he holds up on this pedestal is not the woman in front of him. Like the woman in front of him now is this like badass hunter who can take care of herself and everything. And like he's not seeing that. He's seeing this woman as the entrance into this other world for him, like the entrance into the life that he's supposed to be living. And again, it's not that he doesn't care about her. It's that he can't fully see her for who she is yet. They're not quite there probably because they've known each other for three weeks and both of them need to take a chill pill. Yeah. The way like no time was supposed to have passed between last week and this week, hardly <laughs> like they're still having the same conversation about um, Ada's visions. So yeah, really not much time has gone by. I have a well, feeling I'm going to end up doing a like timeline for us to have on the side better. as well. Brianna's I did it once. I'll do it again. She, I like, need to know. I need the breakdown. <laughs> for those people who don't know, Brianna made this I don't even watch the show, y'all. Brianna made this absolutely insane timeline for Nancy Drew from like picking out all these moments from like uh -huh. newspapers and all this stuff. And I just remember scrolling through the thread and I was like, wow. I I think I don't even remember what started me on that. <laughs> I did. I think I probably harassed you well, into it because that's just you did, all I but do we to got you. to talking about like how long has it been between yeah. X thing and X yeah. thing? And I started looking and I was like, how was that only three days? And then I started going back. I was like, you know what? We're starting at the beginning. <laughs> and I like hashed out the whole time. Brianna so. is a production designer's worst nightmare because she will <laughs> notice 
everything. I do. You, if you break continuity, I have screenshots. I have receipts. She will see it. She will know that you messed up. So be be warned, production designers of the Winchesters. Brianna's coming for you, and she's going to establish a timeline. I'll just start now. I'm putting it on my to do list. I'll start now <laughs> because I don't want to get four seasons into this show and then be questioning. <laughs> Well, they gave you a couple of good references because like the, for example, the song that's playing in the van, it's, re- it's referenced as a song that just came out, like a song that's new mm-hmm. and they're going to see the Omega man, which is a very specific film. So if it's in theaters, it had to have been between a certain amount of time. Brianna's just going to leave us alone to do the rest of this podcast and she's going to go make a timeline. I can already see it right now. I can see it. <laughs> that's not fair that you can see the reflection in my glasses. <laughs> Listen, I have that kind of brain where I need to do eight things at once. (laughs) And speaking of the Omega Man really quick, because this is this is interesting and I I, we definitely want to talk about this more. Uh, We had a couple new characters show up in this episode and one of them was Mary's mysterious suitor. Um, We've since learned his name is Kyle. I'm calling him Diet John, and you cannot talk me out of it. Jake look like <laughs> Diet John Winchester, him. but played by um, Ryan McCartan, who is really awesome. Um, he has been on Broadway before. He was in Heather's. He was in Wicked. Um, he also did the Rocky Horror um, live action um, Fox show a couple of years ago. And so, I mean, he's been around, so it's going to be very exciting to see how he kind of throws a wrench into the John and Mary <laughs> romance category. I think the camera operators might be rooting for them so they don't have to be forced <laughs> perspective anymore. They're like, I don't know. He looked shot. pretty tall next to her when they did the wide shot. I watched, I backed it up and looked again. <laughs> that one shot where like Meg and Drake are standing literally right next to each other. I was like, oh, they can't hide it. Like <laughs> They had to zoom so far out. And I think they, I also think they had her, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure she was standing on the curb, right? Like, wasn't she, like, didn't they have her like a little further up too? They're trying their very best. And you know what? God bless them. It's it's not an easy job. And they're they're handling it very well. And we also wanted to talk a little bit just in general about our Monster of the Week. Because this is like a really good Monster of the Week episode. Like the monster was very scary. They really had to kind of outwit it in a way um, that we don't often see. Especially coming from, I feel like the cool thing coming from Supernatural is that by the end of that show, they knew how to kill pretty much everything. Like it kind of wasn't, there wasn't like a lot of tension with those kind of things. So it was like, well, like we know how to kill this. It's just like somebody would like lose their powers or they'd lose the one thing that they could use to kill it. And like, that was kind of how they had to do it. But with this, it's like, we're learning all these new things about these monsters and these kids are all starting out and hunting. So there it leads to this thing of like, oh, we don't know how to kill this. And I find it really ratchets up the tension a lot. Yeah, I, I think this was a really interesting um like monster for them to use just because um it has so much variation across like varying by region where you are in the world Mm -hmm. that came out really weird but um yeah there's like a lot of myths of the sack man in uh like asia in europe and i had to like google how to spell boribaba so many times i was like (laughs) p-o-o-r-e-y-b-a-b And nothing was turning up, but I finally found it and I kind of went into a deep dive. But um, I did like how they used this to connect back to um, Lata's family uh, back mm-hmm. somewhere in uh, India. I was waiting to get a little bit a little bit more about that. Well, should we talk about Lata since we're there? Because I found her story really interesting. Yeah. Her having told Mary and obviously Carlos and Ada too that her family is dead 
yet she calls and is talking to whoever on the phone and tells them to tell her mom she's fine. So Mm -hmm. there's a little more to her than meets the eye, it seems. Yeah, I I like that they kind of gave Lata a little secret because she's so cute and pure and like this little ray of sunshine. And so it's kind of interesting to see her like have a secret, like have something a little bit potentially darker. And also I loved um, Nita's acting when they were talking about like the sack man and, and her recollection of that myth. And I just thought she did a great job because on the one hand, you can tell that she's scared of the monster, like legitimately, like that it was something that frightened her when she was younger. And then you can also see that she's just so scared about talking about her family. And so I want to know what's going on there. Like, why did she leave them? Like, is there a reason that they don't talk? Like, why did she tell everybody that her family was dead? When honestly, with this crew, she could have just been like, we don't really talk anymore. And they would have been like, all right. <laughs> like, nobody would have questioned that at all. Truly. Everyone, No one's talking to their parents. Everyone's mad. <laughs> yeah, I was honestly so shocked when she like got on the phone. And I was like, oh, maybe this is just like a, a cousin or something. But she was like, t- like just tell mom I'm fine. I was like, Mom, we just we just told everyone <laughs> our parents are not they're no longer here. Like, what did you mean by that, Lata? Can we talk a little bit though for a second? Because it just absolutely killed me about John absolutely stepping in it when it came to her parents. Like, buddy, you know, like half the people in this group have like really tragic backstories. You're he not, himself has a tragic backstory, and he did it anyway. <laughs> and he was like, Well, why don't you just like talk to your parents? It's like, oh, I don't know, John. I don't know. Maybe they're not here. Maybe there's a reason, sir. Maybe there's a reason. You still don't know. Like, (laughs) it was so funny. The way he was just immediately like, oh, right. That's the kind of show we're on. Correct. You And the look on his face was so earnest. He was like, oh, like, you can call up your folks. And I was like, John, (laughs) read the room. Read the room, babe. John, your father is currently missing, presumed dead. You and your mom are on, like, barely speaking terms at this point. Mary is not talking to either of her parents. Carlos's parents are like TBA like we don't know anything about them and you're just gonna presume that Lata has two alive parents who know about hunting and will be more than willing to assist in this random side quest like come on buddy it was just Especially very funny. since she would have been the most like likely out of all of them to actually talk about her family if anybody yeah. was going to out of that group like I think you would have heard about them by now like I don't know <laughs> It was just very funny. Again, I, I like the way Drake kind of plays those moments. It was very funny um, yeah. and yet yeah. also very earnest and sweet. But like it was it, it just worked very well for for what they were doing. I like um, that they're giving him some of those comedic moments like that. That and then I know we already talked about Betty, but I forgot to say I was so wrapped up in talking about her actual story. Um, his little moment there of I'm checking in on the boy and <laughs> the boy's gone and he's trying to, you know, smoothly. Oh no, <laughs> they went, they went on a snack run and just that great shot of her looking at the car. <laughs> turning to look at the car. They walked. <laughs> that was so well done. Like I love everything about that scene and like his mannerisms and the like sneakily trying to shut the door so she can't see inside. Like it's not a two story house and the kid could be in a different room. <laughs> it was so well done. John's not smooth. Uh, John is not. not a good liar. Uh, he tries, but it's not, it just doesn't roll off the tongue the right way, the way that it should. While, while we're talking about Drake's mannerisms, one thing that I found really funny, which was a, like really small moment, but was um, when Lata and he were trying to get uh, married to like take a break and like go to the movies, which 
why did she go to the movies without them after all this i have a beef there but she needed anyway. an actual break kennedy she meant like a break break <laughs> i'm tired of taking care of these children i'm gonna go be by myself yeah. for a second no but when he did the little like swing and a miss moment yes. and they were trying to <laughs> it was so go, cute like, you can take a break i loved that and Lata's reaction to it was also very sweet too. Like she was instantly like, whoops, sorry, buddy. Like you tried, <laughs> like strike out. Nice try. That was really nice. I need to know if that was something that was in the script or if that was like an in the moment, like improv. I hope that was improv. It was really cute. I liked that a lot. And again, like it's kind of nice to have those moments to contrast with like kind of the weirdness of the way that he talked about her with Lata. Like it was kind of nice to have that second of like, yeah, like he is like a kid who's like flirting with this girl and like is really hoping that she likes him back. Like it was kind of sweet. He stood up so fast to be like, yeah, let's go to the movies. <laughs> he was like movies. Yeah. And the, the best part is he was like, <laughs> he knew that like Lata would probably tag along. Right. Like that, like that was like the premise of it was like, oh, all of us will go to the movies. It's like going on a group date or something. And he was still willing to do it. Like he was still going to go. Um, and getting back to that monster of the week a little bit, we did want to talk about how they actually explicitly mentioned that we're getting some international monsters that are sort of different that we wouldn't have gotten before. Um, Kennedy actually literally just had an interview um, with Robbie Thompson, which you can read now over on nerdsandbeyond.com, where they kind of talked about this a little bit and how it's going to play into the rest of the season, uh, which is really exciting. I think I'm really glad we're starting to get answers to that because I think that's something that everyone noticed like right off the bat but Mm -hmm. for me at least I just kind of took it to be like oh we don't want to reuse the same stuff that if you're a veteran fan you're you know just seeing the same monsters that you already know the lore and you already Mm -hmm. know how to kill because that's not going to keep things fresh and exciting um like it would be if you were watching this show and you hadn't seen Supernatural or you just didn't really know about any of this stuff so I'm really interested to see where that goes I mean obviously they hinted that it's like tied him with the Akrita, which I think we'll get to a little bit later. Oh yeah. We got some theory corner. We got to talk about the Akrita and theory corner because there's a lot. And then Brianna wanted to introduce. So on our previous podcast that we did um for the show Prodigal Son, the main characters were always getting themselves into um silly situations, mostly because of their own um <laughs> their own um uh foolhardiness don't, don't even say they it was one character it's true it was one character it was, it was the lead character. it was the lead character <laughs> named malcolm and he made very questionable decisions always always so we ran each week a malcolm danger count because he just constantly <laughs> was either running into danger i mean at one point the boy is like checking out the loaded weapon at a crime scene and faces it at himself and it was just oh yeah it was a great show fortunately it got canceled but in that same spirit, we are going to do a Winchester stupid count in honor <laughs> of Mary's very Winchester stupid moment tonight. So <laughs> this will officially kick it off. Um, I think we only have one for this week, which was her moment of let me just follow the monster down into its little sack prison, where presumably I'll f- try to figure out a way to kill it. I have no concept of what's down there, what's going on. But let's do it anyway. And of course, my friends will um, be able to figure out what's going on, even though they actually have no way of communicating with me and that it was actually just freaking lucky that this the radio worked. There was literally no reason for that to work. And it did. Uh, so congratulations, Mary Winchester or Mary Campbell. Now you are the first example of Winchester stupid. Although I would say an honorable mention 
would be John and the pilot trying to use a uh, a little staple of of silver uh, to go after a massive monster. So actually, we we should probably say that this is a we're at a count of two, right? Because that that was a pretty Winchester stupid moment. I think yeah, that's two. Fair. <laughs> Seems about right. When I go there back to go. do uh next tune in next week, um, I'm gonna go back and do a rewatch of the last, you know, what all of three episodes to make sure that our little timeline is is going and I'll watch for any other stupid moments. But that's all I can think of right now. I know th- th- those are the two, those are the two most egregious ones, I think. Everything else you could kind of argue, I feel like that that it was it was more last week's but... were more of an oops when John got taken. Yeah, that, that was an oopsie-daisy. That wasn't really an intentional. Nobody was trying to get taken. That just kind of happened. Okay, really quick, though. Who was going into SAC prison lair world to re- to retrieve a CB radio? That's what I want to know. Like, who, who's right? the object was <laughs> Whose object was that? For real. I want, yeah, I want to know. What child's object was that? <laughs> no, well, I guess, like, kids play with those, right? Like, that makes sense that, like, A whole maybe... real CB. There were, like, walls of them full of <laughs> shelves. I don't know. This seems like too common of an item to be getting pulled into sack prison for. <laughs> maybe a lot of maybe a lot of children have trucker parents, and that's how they talk yeah, to them. And maybe. How do you lose a CB radio, though? That's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) It's called suspension of disbelief, Kennedy. Um, It's a really important (laughs) part of being able to watch a fantasy show. I love how they tried to give uh, Nita a little line about like, well, like radio waves still exist in a vacuum or XYZ. I was like, oh, y'all are trying so hard. Like, I think we could have just. You don't need to explain the science. I've watched Supernatural. For 327 episodes you think i care about realism just do what you gotta do i'll believe you like it's fine before we go into theory corner i need to give an honorable mention to carlos's water gun making an appearance again because it's just my favorite little aspect of like shooting demons in the face with a water gun is just hilarious to me and we have to talk about that moment anyway because it had so much in it with everything with ada and carlos there's so much going on there so first of all yes i agree anytime there's an excuse for carlos to bust out the water gun i'm fully in i loved how excited he got when the demon showed up because he was like finally like something to do that was so cute i loved that um a little too thrilled for just having been like forcibly shoved into concrete he rolled around with a smile on his face like yes no that was a dean winchester move how many times did dean get slammed into something by some monster or mm-hmm. another and he was like yes so that was a very i liked that um he was super excited for that moment and i loved ada there's something going on with her i don't know what it is i i there, there's something in this chick's past that's not checking out i have thoughts tm oh my gosh <laughs> She's making me so nervous because I I don't want her to be evil like so badly I don't want her to be evil but she's looking so shady right now it's it's not adding up something that really surprised me was when the demon was like oh because you want to be a witch I thought she was already a witch is she just a wiccan is she doing some dark stuff on the side she's witch adjacent she's a researcher she's not like a full-fledged i mean the second he said which i just went rowena because again i'm just like i'm ready for rowena to show up at any given time so every time they mentioned the possibility i'm like rowena's a witch we know a witch <laughs> i don't know the vibes were just off for her and i'm, mm-hmm. I'm really scared because like i said i don't want her to be evil because i really like her but yeah i don't it, think she's I mean, evil 
I don't think she's evil. I think that she's holding something back and there's something that she's looking for, I think. But I, I, don't, I don't think she's going to go full evil. I really don't I think just, so. I don't think her agenda is the same agenda as the rest of the group. And I'm not yes. saying that that's good or bad. But um, and I'm not saying she wouldn't help them out of the goodness of her heart because, it, I mean, she was involved with like Henry and the men of letters. And it seems like she helped them out from time to time. But uh, we just don't know everything. And I think mm-hmm. that's becoming even more clear as time goes on that something is not right i mean she's the one we know the least about of mm-hmm. all of them but i agree i really liked her little witch moment i need them to clarify for me the difference between a witch and a human who can do spell work but isn't a witch because that sure was witchy i mean i understand the whole concept is like you don't have magic i guess in the way that like you can throw people across a room is the parameters we're outlining here but i, I mean that was a spell she did she put the demon into the plant so i mean that's about as close to being a full witch i guess as you can get i don't know i kind of want her to be an actual witch that'd be fun. and her just not being i don't know i'm i'm getting like rejected from a coven vibes kind of going on and like she wasn't allowed to become a full witch because like you were saying with Rowena like that was her whole kind of backstory was she had a falling out with her coven Mm -hmm. so I don't know I just I need a witch in the group and it is right there give it to me (laughs) the demon possessing the tree was pretty cool yeah the demon tree that's exactly what I was about to say (laughs) Uh, I'm like how we never heard about this before I feel like this could have been a very permanent solution to a lot of problems (laughs) on the original Oh, I need her like I need her to just start a demon garden <laughs> please <laughs> I just need her to be putting demons in different plants and she has in her, her little apothecary corner just labeled <laughs> all of her various demons and goes around and waters them and is like mm, I need to ask Beelzebub over here a question and just like summons him into a form and then sends him back like Carlos, I don't know Carlos looked so alarmed when she was still like pruning the tree after she <laughs> demon in there and she was just like snap and he was like oh my god this girl is crazy like the look on his face was of such admiration and fear it was really funny I loved everything with like Jojo's faces it was killing me because like you could tell that Carlos was like fascinated by her but also was like um like he was having the same realization that like we were having which is like we don't know a lot about her like we don't actually know like when she was saying oh like let's interrogate him but not tell the others like carlos's face there was kind of like huh seems sus i'll go with it but uh we need to that file that away for later like file that information away i think carlos went a little bit into survival mode in that he was like She's clearly got some witchy things going on. I'm not going to ruffle feathers. I just want to get back to the group. And we'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, this is also very cool. I didn't know we could put (laughs) demons in plants. Why does she have this information? (laughs) And then the last little bit of information that kind of actually leads us very nicely into Theory Corner. And while we're talking on the subject of witches, uh, we get our first look at our new recurring character, Rock and Roxy. Uh, our radio DJ, um, who's played by Bridget Reagan, uh, who you guys would probably know from Batwoman on the CW. Uh, and we have some thoughts. Um, so we might as well just go right into Theory Corner with her, because from what they're implying, it looks like we're thinking that she was the hooded figure at the end of the last episode with her red hair and her nails and everything. Um, I still think it's Rowena somehow 
because I need it to be. I don't know. I want it to be so bad. I find it interesting that they chose a young, petite, redheaded woman with angular features. It's Rowena. It has to be. But at the same time, they were saying it kind of blew a hole in that theory for me when the demon was saying the leader of the Akrita is possessing a woman's body. Like the chances of it yeah. being Rowena narrow significantly. I could see it maybe being a descendant, a relative in some capacity, though, as far as we know, she never had children other than Crowley. Though that could be fun if it turns out Crowley had a kid. Oh, my God, that would be a lot. a human. That could give you a whole other direction there. <laughs> but there's wait, we are in theory corner. You know what? Yeah. But if Crowley had a child. Dream yeah. big. No, this is this is your AU. This is your chance to say whatever you want. Whatever, My brain very quickly happens, happens. was trying to sort out where he would be in this timeline. He would only be a crossroads demon, most likely at that point, which we know they like to just possess random bodies. And I was going to say <laughs> screw with humans. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> anyway, my point was, what if he had a child? And she got either a little bit of like demony, some kind of magic going on from him or as a descendant of Rowena, got some of her magic and is now possessed by the Akrita leader because of that magic. That could be wouldn't, fun. It be, wouldn't it be great if um, the only way to stop the Akrita uh, would be to get one of those relatives back um, to fight them? And so I think, and that is how Rowena is going to show up on the windshield all of our listeners are like no i'm gone now bye they're like please stop talking about it listen i would be so excited if we got her back i would be so excited i would love if mark shepherd showed up i know he's not going to but i would that would be really funny all all of our like celestial beings who can come back who are like immortal or like would have been around in that time period i would love to see show up so any connection to our favorite redheaded witch i'm happy to make well, the fun with all these characters is that they can literally be in any body. So even if they can't get the original actors back, like she could very well be Rowena. You know, it's like we don't know for sure. Crowley could be anybody at that point. It doesn't have to be Mark Shepard because we know he's busy with other projects. But I don't know. Just I think that's why we get hung up on this every week of who's <laughs> going to come back and win because there's so much possibility with it. Yeah. And I mean, we are in theory corner, so I'll tell you when Mary took uh, Diet John into the theater, I was immediately like, it's Bobby. And then Robbie Thompson was like, that's Kyle. (laughs) We we just immediately poured water all over that theory. He stole that right out from under me. I felt my feet go out from under me. I was prepared. I was all geared up for this for us to record, but alas, it is not to be. It could be Bobby under a fake name pretending to be <laughs> Kyle for a case. <laughs> this is Theory Corner. We can say whatever. Listen, we guys, want we're here. recording really late at night ish. So <laughs> you're getting our very unhinged. Unfiltered yeah, you're, you're getting the unfiltered theories here. I mean, I'm genuinely intrigued by what, what is going on with the Akrita because, like, first of all, they're like little sentient insect bug things. Like, like they have clearly have like an actual agenda. I couldn't see because I'm I legitimately can't see on my screen what the little bug took out of the like fire pit that John had going. It was a piece of cloth that didn't get thrown into the fire. It was a piece of the burlap. Ah, interesting. Because John missed energy. 
<laughs> up into the air. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Have, really quick, I do have to go back because this is a question in my mind. In Brianna's theory, if this magical demon child existed, would this just be like <laughs> another little antichrist, another Jesse we'd never hear from ever again? Here's the thing. If they changed the, the definition of the antichrist halfway <laughs> through the series. Because at first it was just the offspring of a very powerful demon. And then after that, it was like, no, it's Lucifer's son specifically. <laughs> so it could be anything, I guess. Only in Supernatural would you retcon the definition of what the Antichrist is. <laughs> Only on this show, Brianna, so don't spit your drink everywhere. I literally <laughs> tried to take a drink of water and she said that. <clears throat> it's a good point, though. I mean, and I'm, and then you just get into the whole spiral of like a witch's descendant who's a demon having a child then you just get the mix of the power so that's more fun. here you go robbie here's an idea for here you go robbie season. once again we are just handing out golden ideas for robbie thompson and team i feel like you know one of them's got to stick right eventually one of the crazy theories has to be right yeah do I, we I, think the little bug creatures are the akrita well, the okay, so this oh. is my thing. Is the Akrita, so the Akrita is whatever's possessing Rock and Roxy. And then these little bug things are like their underlings, right? Because the way that the demon was describing it was like the Akrita are like a sentient, be- like they're beings. And then these little bug things are just like scurrying around everywhere. Like, see, I thought they were the Akrita and she's the leader of the Akrita. Yeah, but then why, by the leader of the why would the, the bugs be able to be, <laughs> be able to possess a person? Maybe they don't have possession power. Only she does because she's the leader. I'm confused, Rob. <laughs> These are how theories fall it's apart. <laughs> You're seeing it in real time. Because I was thinking of them more like kind of like hellhounds, like almost like like they're kind of like doing... I'm so mad this isn't a Googleable lore. I'm just so mad about it. (laughs) I want to know more about them. Robbie, if you're listening, we still (laughs) had more questions. We have more questions for you. (laughs) To me, those things just look like little bugs. They look like someone had a nightmare and combined like (laughs) the head of a praying mantis with its claws, but then also the body of a grasshopper and the legs of a spider like that's what that thing looks like to me it's a creepy crawly and that's the thing that i find so fascinating is that like this show has done a really good job of having like awesome like practical effects like the actual monster of the week this week looked so cool and it was like very clearly like a oh, practical yeah. like stunt which i love and anyone who has read any of my recaps for nancy drew knows how much i will call out character performers for how cool they are that they can do this um, but the Akrita are very, or like the little spider thingies are very creepy and very CGI. So I was kind of intrigued by like the difference in look between them. Um, I'm dying to know more about them. I think there's still so much more for us to uncover. And I feel like it's all going to start coming together really, really quickly um, because of how fast the season has been moving so far. I really hope they get picked up for a back half. Um, I know. I mean, I know they've been saying like, the big twist is in episode 13, but I just feel like they're doing a good job with the pacing, especially with, yep. you know, how much lore and how much establishing you have to do in this short time period. But I just, I feel like if they got that extra five episodes, it could really add a little something. That's just me. Well, CW, kind of listening. Yeah, no, really. 
But also too, like we were actually, this leads very nicely into our little news segment um, because, so we got some news today, um, which is that Richard Spate Jr. is not only going to be directing on the Winchesters, he's also going to be appearing um, as Loki again in episode eight, which is interesting because we already knew that Tom Welling was going to show up as Samuel around that time. Um, and we were also knowing um, that we were going to get Gil McKinney back again as Samuel in that time period. So, like, it's it's interesting that we're only now a few episodes away from that, that they're, that they're all going to be coming back. And that that's a few episodes away from the midseason finale, or what we're hoping is the midseason finale. Because I figured that all those people would come back in, like, episode 12. You know what I mean? Like, I, I figured they'd save them for, like, the very, very end. But the fact that there's so much time after they show up, like, hmm, what's going on there? All I know is episode eight is just going to be utter chaos to have so many people <laughs> show like up. They're gonna, I feel like they're going to bring Gil back at the end of episode seven. And then he's just going to mm-hmm. be thrown in there with everybody else in episode eight. But... That's just me. And for them to spe- to like specify that it's Loki and not Gabriel is really interesting too. That's true. I think it's yeah. interesting that they shared that at all because I don't know. I feel like si- since we're so desperate to see like a familiar face, <laughs> I mean, we already knew he was like directing. So I feel like they had a plausible reason for him to, you know, be up over there with everyone That's true. and them not to say anything. So at the same time, I'm like, is this a fake out? Like, are they <laughs> are they feeding us like false information? We're, we're on like inception levels of like <laughs> theory corner, and they're just like, no, we just wanted to announce it. It's really not that deep. Again, motto of the supernatural fandom, it's really not that deep. Um, but Dang yeah, so <laughs> yeah, just seriously. Um, but that was some really interesting, really good news. So we can definitely look forward to seeing that soon. I believe they're actually filming episode eight now because I was watching um, Netta did a takeover of the CW Winchester's Instagram page um, and they were showing Tom Welling on set. So they are definitely filming um, episode eight right about now, which is pretty cool. Uh, I'm look- really looking forward to to seeing him show up and seeing how that affects everything going forward. Um, and then we also have before our... Um, intro to next week we have of course our mixtape corner as well as always you can find the songs that are mentioned on the show on our spotify playlist we're going to be updating um, with these new additions Um, obviously the title of the episode um, comes from your lost little girl uh, which is a wonderful song Uh, and then within the episode itself we have restless feeling by elderberry jack Um, we have something got into your life by spooky tooth and then we have Spooky um, by Classics IV, which was, uh, all those songs were a little harder to find. So they are definitely going into like obscure, like more obscure music, which is pretty cool. I really like that. And then right before we go, we want to talk about next week's episode, which I'm actually really excited for because Drake has been teasing that it's going to be centered a lot on John and his experience in Vietnam, which is really interesting. Um, Because I feel like we've kind of obviously alluded to it. We've seen bits and pieces of it, but we haven't truly um, seen everything it has to offer. Um, So next week's episode is called Masters of War. Um, It's going to be airing on November 1st. I can't believe we're already talking about November. Uh, And the title refers to the song Masters of War by Bob Dylan. Um, And so this is just our little little summary here. Um, After the details of a veteran's death don't add up, Carlos brings everyone in to investigate, and he shares a detail about his past that makes John seem in a new light. 
Mary finds an unexpected ally who has been hot on the trail of this monster, and Latika tries to help Mary heal and find closure with someone she lost. Maggie? Maybe this maybe there'll be some Maggie in there? Uh, meanwhile, John's habit of running headfirst into danger leaves Millie worried for her son. Uh, and this episode is going to be written by Julia Cooperman, um, who has written uh, for a lot of episodes of Colony, um, and also the upcoming show Willow on Disney Plus, and directed by John Crenchmer, who is like an iconic um, fantasy sci-fi director on television. Recently, he's directed, you know, for Nancy Drew, for Walker, for First Kill, but his IMDb resume is as long as my arm. Um, and he has done so many cool shows, including Dark Angel. Uh, Buffy and the adventures of Superman and Lois. So that'll be, I think, think it's going to be a really cool episode. I'm super pumped. Anyone have any last minute thoughts before we wrap up here? I have been doing internet things over here while we talk because I have to do nine things at one time. <laughs> Akrita spelled differently because of the pronunciation actually is the word for locus in ancient Greek. So it's mentioned in the Bible in the Greek variation. So those things being little bugs could be the Akrita. And it's like some kind of weird variation because, you know, they're kind of doing their own take on everything. And biblical. Isn't that interesting? Biblical, the idea of they're trying to destroy a world. Yeah. I interesting. My my multiverse theory is just looking stronger and stronger. She loves her multiverse theory. I will be so happy if I get. I'm never right about this stuff, you guys. I never guess correctly. My theories are never real, so I will be really excited if, for once, I can have a supernatural theory that is actually coming true. Every time I'm going to scream if that's true. Every time a small shred of evidence for Jules's theory comes out, I'll like send it to her immediately. She's like, I knew it. I knew it. I was on the track. I'm right. I know I'm right. And that just add another like little bullet point under my list because that would actually make a lot of sense. And that would be a way to bring back Chuck slash God if we wanted to go that route. I'm I'm telling you, there's oh, there's so many places they could go with this, but I'm excited to see where it goes from here yeah. for sure. That's our little food for thought nugget to leave me with <laughs> at some point we just have so many theories one of them's got to be right i'm rooting for you jules like <laughs> sheer volume like i just know there's some poor cw intern monitoring <laughs> like the winchester's trends on social media like these three women are very unhinged in <laughs> what they are uh proposing I don't know. Yeah. I'm ro- I'm rooting for Brianna's uh, Crowley's love child theory. I think that's going to be. I think that's-, that's a winner right there. That's going to be it. <laughs> Man, if it's true, I'm going to be so proud of myself because I don't think I've ever once, when we've done any of our theory articles for any show, ever had anything correct. So that will be fun for me. Well, that's our show for this week. Be sure to check back soon for our weekly coverage of the Winchesters. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SPN on the Road Pod. And make sure to head over to at Nerds and Beyond for all your nerdy news. This week's episode was edited by Jules Thompson and produced by Brianna Lester, Kennedy Lynch, and Jules Thompson for Nerds and Beyond. Our theme music is by Kennedy Lynch. <laughs>